This is It Just Takes One. One person, one experience, one idea, one moment to change your life. Here's what's coming up on today's show. You cannot like obsess over your problems when you are reading a children's story. You, if you want to try to get into the present, you just read a children's story out loud to kids. And I think it's, I think you become the best version of yourself. I say it all the time, but I also think it puts you so in the moment. Um, you can't help but enjoy it. When I was young, I want to say probably late elementary school years, I distinctly remember having a conversation with my mom where I told her that someday I wanted to own a horse farm. And her response to me was that when she was young, she had had the same dream. (laughs) Well, in our cases, neither of us lived that dream. Neither of us ever owned a horse farm or even a single horse at any point in our lives. But I do remember that being one of my very earliest dreams. And I don't think I'm alone in that. If you have also had a dream like that, then you are going to love the conversation that I have today with Annie Levitt. Annie is the best-selling author of First Day at Halsey Hollow Farm, which is a beautiful, sweet story about a horse finding his way to his new home and his new owner and what that was like as he first arrived at Halsey Hollow Farm. There are a lot of lessons in the book and Annie talks about those in our conversation. And she also shares a little bit about herself, about Halsey Hollow Farm, which is where she lives and and is a real place and about the writing process and what it means to write a children's story. I'm gonna let her finish all of that. And so I invite you to sit back and listen in as Annie Levitt shares her story. Hey everyone, it's Kelly. It is. It just takes one, and I am so happy right now for two reasons. One, this is the first in-person podcast interview that I've been able to do, and I'm so happy <laughs> because we don't always have local authors, but Annie Levitt is with me, and she is a local author, and so she was able to come into the office today so we could actually sit side by side and have so a conversation. Nice. It's so nice. It's so nice. I'm so glad you're here. Thank you for having me. And the second reason I'm excited is because look how high tech we have gone. (laughs) We are showing her book behind us, which is very cool and kind of, you know, for me, a little upscale technology here because I'm not always the best with technology. So I hope it looks good for those of you that are watching and for those of you that are listening, check out the video on YouTube so you can see how high tech we got. (laughs) Yeah, it's great. It's great. Very great. Um, We are going to talk today with Annie about her book, First Day at Halsey Hollow Farm. I am holding my copy of it, which I have had for a long time, but I haven't had a chance for you to sign it yet. So I'm actually going to ask you to sign it today for me, if you don't mind. Have you been giving out a lot of autographs? I have. (laughs) I have been giving out autographs. It's it's hysterical. I didn't. What does that feel like? Like, what does it feel like when somebody asks you to do an autograph? Uh, First, I'm panicked because I want to make sure it's grammatically correct. (laughs) 
no, that's real. Um, you know, I just feel so honored and, um, I don't know. I think it's like giving a piece of myself to them. And, uh, I just love it. I, it's not, you know, it's not about the autograph. It's about the, for me, I just hope that people really enjoy the story and the fact that they're interested enough to, to look at it and to read it is really such a gift to me. So, so that's, that's what it's about. It's just like, holy mackerel. <laughs> I did it, right? I have so many authors actually say things like that to me where they get a chance to be signing it for the first time and they just feel like, like you said, like it's this gift to be able to share this thing that was so important to you with them and that they care enough to want to read it and to have it in their hands. Exactly. Right? It's more of a gift to me than for me, a gift to them. You know what I mean? Yeah. That they're, that they are interested in it. Yeah, I think it's great. So I want to talk about the book okay. today and about writing the book and about the reason that you even wanted to write this book. Okay. And I also preface this by saying, Annie and I have known each other for a long time. And I let's tell them how we actually connected on okay. writing the book, because we knew each other as friends well before yeah. this. And then I hadn't seen you for a while. COVID happened. They were, I just hadn't, right. our paths hadn't crossed for a while. And then tell, tell everyone what happened. So it's really kind of fluky, right? I mean, I met you because I had a dear friend, uh, tell me, you need to meet this woman. She's done, she does so much to inspire people um, with their health and their fitness and well-being. And you, you've got to meet her. And she does so much in the community. So um, that was back at the great Studio 8. And I got to meet you there. Uh, and instantly, I think we bonded, you know. Um, so actually, the book was written already back then it was just tucked in a drawer for years um, I didn't know that yeah it, it was it was uh tucked in the drawer for years my girls were little and um I would you know just illustrate or paint at night and I had always wanted to write children's stories um and so anyway so the way this became published and we reconnected was it's very funny but I was reading this book on sort of inspiration and destiny and just trying to get through COVID, you know, and I was on a walk and um, the night before an old friend had stopped by who has horses and had a question um, about her horse for me. And my husband out of the blue said, oh, did you know that Annie wrote a book? And it was hysterical because I was like, why are you even bringing this up? It's been you know, I wrote that book probably 20 years ago. Um, and so he was insistent that I have her look at the book. So I think I was climbing up on a bookshelf trying to find the book and I handed, I put the illustrations out and I handed her the manuscript and which was just like a word perfect thing. And uh, I left the room because I was so embarrassed because I didn't have much confidence in myself in the whole process. And I came back in the room and she was crying. Oh. And I, well, immediately was like, oh, you hated it. <laughs> no, she, I don't know. She, she's loved it. And she said, you have to publish this. 
And she herself is a horse person that I respect very much. And so, um, and as a mother, and she was a teacher that I worked with, we both taught together. So this is a woman whose opinion that I really respect. I think she's just one of the kindest people in the world. And so the next day when I was walking, I thought, wow, maybe she was put in front of me for a reason. And maybe I should follow the directions on this book and, you know, the one that I was reading and I'll try to find some publishers. So I went home and I took a picture with my iPhone of an illustration and I took a little paragraph out of the book and I submitted it. I Googled publishers and I submitted it. And about the next day, I think I had four to six publishers contact me that they wanted to publish it. And I thought, I know nothing about this. I don't even know who I would trust. What? And I remembered that you were a successful author and had published books. Um, at the time, I didn't know that you had your own publishing company. And then I called you and asked you if I could run some things by you. And you said, well, I own my own publishing company. And I said, well, the decision has been made. <laughs> well, you published my book. And that's how that happened. I, there are so many things about that story I love. One being the synchronicities that happen yeah. when you just put it out there into the universe and then you never know like weird connections get made because because the energy is being poured toward it so I, I love that piece of it I also did not know that it had been written that long ago you're not we have actually a lot of authors who say that to us who yeah. say I I put it in a drawer you know I don't know what to do with it so I just put it away and you know, the same kind of fears that you were talking about as well, not feeling like it was good enough or, right. you know, not knowing what to do, even where to begin. So it just sits there and, and does nothing until all of a sudden you pour a little energy in and then yeah. boom, you have a book right here yeah. behind us. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, the funny wow. thing too, is that's kind of the theme about this book, right? It's all about confidence and stepping into the unknown. So, um, so I think that's really where I was like, go for it. Yeah, it's exactly what you did. Although we're talking about it now, but this was written 20 years ago when you were writing this about confidence. Right. So tell us a little okay. bit about the book. Okay. So the book First Day at Halsey Hollow Farm is about this beautiful relationship that's happening with sure. this horse and, and what happens with him. Share what the story's about. Uh, so I uh, was always a horse kid from day one. I think uh, kind of a cute story. I was in kindergarten and I kind of told a lie <laughs> that I was taking riding lessons and someone called my mother to see um, about that. So <laughs> anyways, my parents realized they needed to get me riding lessons. Did they, did they call because you they wanted to their, see if you they had wanted ride? their daughter they, oh, to get lessons they wanted too. Their daughter to have <laughs> so my parents kind of realized that I needed to get riding lessons. Um, we had a neighbor who had a horse and I used to just uh, play horse all the time and just wanted wanted one and anyway um i always wanted my daughters to grow up in with the same experiences i had because i have learned so much navigating through life with my horses and i worked for every single one of them this you know there i was the kid that would clean every single stall at a local stable so that i could get a riding lesson and um anyway so i wanted my kids to have the same thing and uh i my husband and I bought this old um, beat up farm, <laughs> Had was covered with burdocks and a lot of junk. And um, we at the time had blended our families together. And so uh, 
he had been a bachelor for eight years. He inherited these little kids and <laughs> all these sources. <laughs> Poor guy. Didn't Lucky know what he him. was getting into Lucky the sucker. <laughs> and um, anyway, um, so we ended up, all the horses in this story are horses that were on the farm at the same time. And um, we ended up getting this pony for my daughter, Mary Ellen, who was, um, you know, wanted to learn to ride. I'm not sure she did or I wanted her to, but um, at any rate, this this friendship um, developed between the two of them. And a lot of life lessons have come out of the friendship. And some of them are blended from what I took away from the horses that I've had in my life. Um, and some of, the, are, of them are the ones that I witnessed um, my daughter grow in. I think that's pretty interesting. You know, as, as listeners are, and viewers are watching this and thinking about how many of them either have horses or had the dream to be near horses, there's almost something, I remember actually when I was young, telling my mom that someday I was gonna own a horse farm. I don't know where that came from. I don't own a horse farm. I've never had a horse, (laughs) but at some point in my life, I actually wanted that dream too. So I think there's something kind of magical about horses that is different than other animals. Can you describe that somehow? I do. I think that they are the kindest creature on earth. They're so kind and they're so majestic and they're so beautiful. Um, but I also understand that as kids, like, you know, you love them and you see them and, and, and they're free, right? They give you this, there, there's all of this freedom. You think, uh, I think about galloping over fields or whatever, and there's a lot of discipline, but, um, I have witnessed, and I remember the first day that I was up close to a horse, they're huge. Right. So all of a sudden you have this dream of, oh, this is the most beautiful creature in the world. And I want to pet this creature and I want to bond with this creature. And then you look at their head and their head is from your head to your torso. And you're like, they're huge. And there is that fear. And I think they teach you a lot about um, first impressions and getting through them and trust. And so there's so many lessons that they teach. Yeah, that's so interesting. You're absolutely right. There's something about their size and sort of that feeling, even when you're up on top of a horse and you're so high up, you know, and there's this feeling of um, the excitement and fear mixed together. But they, I love the idea that they are also these kind. Oh, they're so kind. You know, they're so kind. For somebody that doesn't know a lot about horses, that's not a term I would use to describe them. So it just shows that, you know, for those of us that don't know a lot, um, that there are pieces that that we could experience differently if we knew more. So in the book, Captain is the horse. Mm -hmm. Mary Ellen is the the little girl character. What What does she experience in the story that has to do with learning kindness and learning these lessons from her horse? Well, this is sort of an introductory story, but um, it starts off and it's about the anticipation of both of them meeting each other for the first day. And there are certain, you know, like in life, there are certain rules that we have to follow and norms and in their lives, they have that too. So the pony has certain barn norms that he has to follow. Um, and he's been recognized to be safe enough um, to have an owner of his own. And in her world, she's been recognized enough 
to be responsible enough to take care of an animal and to form this friendship. So um, I hope I'm answering that question. Yeah. So those are kind of the lessons, but it's this anticipation. And sometimes this exuberance that you have to kind of keep in check and case out the situation first so that you can progress in the friendship. Yeah. And in, in, in this story, it's about the horse and this little girl, but really it's for anybody, right? Any kind of relationship you know, that you, that you have to learn what each other needs and what each other is, is about and kind of go slowly into that. And sometimes you go a little too much and then you learn how to step back from that. Right. Correct. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So let's talk about why a children's story and why not any other kind of story could have been a novel. It could have been a fictional thing. It because a children's story is short. <laughs> no, 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 that's one reason. No, no sure. not at all. That's one reason. Um, <clears throat> so this is, I love children's stories. Uh, when I was, uh, um, I was probably in about fourth grade. My dad was in a terrible car accident and he was laid up. And so what he did to kind of uh, get us through that is he would read to us all these stories. And um, he would use all these crazy voices and he would be so animated. So I, I tell this, but I, literally I would run off the school bus and I just couldn't wait till I was gonna hear a, another story or have him read to us. And um, <clears throat> so anyway, so that, that was my first like, wow, this is so much fun, I love it. And I really, always read to my kids and I would read to my students when I was teaching and I loved using the voices and I found that whenever I was going through a difficult time or saw my kids going through a difficult time we just pick up a children's story and you cannot like obsess over your problems when you are reading a children's story you if you want to try to get into the present you just read a children's story out loud to kids and I think it's I think you become the best version of yourself. I say it all the time, but I also think it puts you so in the moment. Um, you can't help but enjoy it. I love that. So I used to think all the time yeah. about stories with my kids. I, I love to, I am kind of artistic. I don't, wouldn't say I'm an artist, but I am, do have a creative mind. And I know I would take hikes with my daughters when they were little and we would make up stories along the way. And <clears throat> I just love them. I, I, that is such a beautiful description of what it's like to read a children's story, to think that it allows you to become present and not distracted by whatever the outside world is dealing with, anything you're dealing yeah. with in the outside world, but also this idea that it brings out the best version of yourself. Yeah, because you can be anybody you want, you know, you can get those, it's, I love them. I do too. I do too. And and my mother was the one who would read us stories and all, you know, we would sit at night and she would read a chapter, the boxcar children at oh, yeah. I remember. How many times did you there. play in the woods, you know, and then yeah, you'd take that in and you'd pretend that you were the lost kids in the boxcar. That's right. All you the neighborhood your, gang. You know, broken <laughs> dishes and all that. Yeah, exactly. And yeah. it gets your imagination, but there is something. I also remember sitting in library in elementary school and having the librarian read to us mm-hmm. and loving just the, there's something very settling about having somebody read out loud. Yeah, it's that exchange. It's the space that you're nurturing between the reader and the listener. And I think that's what we need more of today is that nurturing space between us. Yeah, yeah. 
So this book is the first of a series because yes. this horse and this character, Mary Ellen, have lots of adventures ahead. This uh -huh. is just the first day that they're meeting. And you also did the illustrations. So you were saying that you're not an artist, but I would beg to differ. You Thank definitely you. are an artist. I'm gonna actually share a couple of the illustrations with people so that they can see how beautiful, um, not only the illustration on the front cover, um, those of you that are watching the video, but these beautiful illustrations that Annie did in, a, in addition to writing. And I'm sharing that not only because it's great to showcase the book, but also because I think there are listeners out there who would love to, to draw the own, their own illustrations for their book and maybe didn't know that they could do that or, or how to go about doing that. So one of the things that we talked about when we were doing the book was how to place these illustrations, how to make them so that they popped off the page. Lots of little detailed things, like which side of the page is the going to have the writing and which side is gonna have the, the illustration yeah, on did. it. We spent a lot of time. We spent a lot of time talking about those details. So share a little bit about that because that's part of the process as well, yeah. making those kinds of decisions. So it, you know, it was really interesting because you and I worked on this project during COVID. So uh, we were doing a lot by Zoom mm -hmm. and, uh, Kelly was great and Scripter was great and that I said, you know, I want this to be a storybook. I want it to be read to children and maybe early readers uh, to pick it up and and read. But I kept thinking about how do I read out loud and how do I hold a story? So then you and I worked through on the pages. I, as far as anyone illustrating, um, I probably was a nightmare because I just had these uh, paintings that I'd worked on, on really any piece of paper that I could find at the time, right? Mm -hmm. um, so they were different sizes. Uh, and <clears throat> we, luckily, because of modern technology, we were able to, you know, uh, get them formatted properly. So that was Scripter, not me. <laughs> so <laughs> that's um, why we hire the people that can fix all the problems. Yeah. So anyway, <laughs> so um, I would, I, I would just go for it, to tell you the truth. And I, and I will say this, it's so funny because I am not formally trained. Um, I know nothing about illustrating, but I do like to, to draw and to paint. And watercolor can be so finicky and I'm not very good at watercolor anyway, but I really do like doing it. Um, I would just say do it, to tell you the truth. I think when I, I had the opportunity to read the story to some classrooms this year. And the really cool thing that I got out of it was every single question from these kids was, can I draw like that? Did you do these drawings? Do you think that I could do that? And I just kept encouraging them, yes, yes, because Today, so many children's books are, their illustrations are computer generated. Mm -hmm. And so I think that they, they lose, you know, it's okay to make a mistake. You'll see there are watercolors, you know, you might get a splotch over here or you might try to do too much detail, but if, if you are proud of it, if you think it's a good thing, then it's a good thing. Who cares what anybody else thinks, right? Mm -hmm. And that's what I think we have to teach our kids that, yeah, that it's okay that it's not perfect. Exactly. I, and that you can fix things to make them just right if you have to. Exactly. And we, and you learn in the process. So 
I read this thing one time about if you ask a group of first graders if they can sing and if they can draw, every single one of them will raise their hand and say they can. And if you ask sixth graders whether they can sing or whether they can draw, you'll lose those hands. They won't raise their hands. And I'm just here to say everybody can sing and everybody can draw. And um, you may not, I mean, like, I don't sing well. <laughs> But I can sing and I just think, you know what, we have to get away from searching for perfection because that tree out there is gnarly, but it is perfect. Mm. So that's my message. I think it's a beautiful message. I think it's a beautiful message for kids. I think it's a beautiful message for parents. And I think it's a beautiful message for all of us that things don't have to be just right for them to be doable. Right. You know, that there right. are there are ways and resources and, and tools, lots of tools out there to help get it done. It, it doesn't have, you don't have to wait for that perfect, perfect situation right. Right. or that perfect moment. Because your perfect is not my perfect and mine is not yours, but right. they're still beautiful. Yeah, uh, so great. A really good additional lesson to all of this. <laughs> but it's a good inspiration because a lot of the, I mean, the people are tuning into this are people that are interested in books, interested right. maybe in writing. And so it's good to be able to share with them a little bit about some of the back end, you know, what happens behind the scenes, because all they see is the perfect book, you know, they yeah. don't know all the, the bits and pieces. But what the other thing that I think is interesting to share with them is what happens once you actually have the book. So I heard you say that you were able to go out and, and share it and read in some classrooms. Tell us a little bit about some of your experiences since you've become an author and what, what that's been like. Well, um, it's so funny because um, my other job is sales and marketing, yeah. right? <laughs> this so, is not your but I'm absolutely the worst sales and marketer from this book. <laughs> let me tell you. And I go into, I've gone into some of these bookstores and to different places or in classrooms, and it's so funny because I am so sheepish. I'm like, oh, I wrote this book, <laughs> and people are just like, yes, we're absolutely interested. Oh, it's beautiful. We love it. And so um, I think I'm just floored to tell you the truth. Uh, so, and then I think I might be off the subject, but, um, the other experiences, the, the truly the best experiences is that I've been going to my mailbox and I get drawings from kids. I get, uh, you know, thank you letters. I have emails because my email is in the front cover. I get these emails and I'm just floored by the response and these cute great kids that really love the story so for me I'm just I mean it's just the biggest gift that's amazing yeah I always you know it just takes one right the title right. of the, the podcast I am always fascinated by that idea because I always think if, if you write a book and one person is inspired by it or one person gets right. one thing from it then it was worth doing it and now you're already finding sort of these unexpected totally number unexpected. Of, of responses to it yeah and the relationships and Oh, it's just been, it's just been so much fun. It really has been fun. And then at the most unexpected times. Yeah, I, which is great too, right? Yeah. I, I, I was just on a call with somebody the other day and, and I, they were talking about, you know, marketing their book and all these things that they need to do, right? When it gets published and they're going to call here yeah. and go there and do this. And I said, well, just remember that marketing is forever. So right. once you have the book, you don't have to do everything all in the first week. You can market the book anytime, anywhere, any opportunity you have literally for the rest of your life, right? Right, right, right. <laughs> so it's, it's the long game that we play with marketing. 
but to get the responses certainly in, keeps you motivated to, to keep putting it out there. Yeah. Yeah. And to write the next one, you know, it's like, yeah. wow, I, I did this. It does make a difference. Yeah. Yeah. And, and is there some sort of feeling that you get when you, when you see a kid hold it and read it or see it on a shelf somewhere that isn't your shelf? Uh, well, I think the first feeling was when all these kids, when I was reading it and it was the cutest thing, they like scooch up closer, <laughs> they scooching up closer. And I just was, I was so excited about that. And then um, again, getting like little drawings. Um, and yeah, sometimes I'll see, I'll see the book. I still, every time when I look at Amazon, I'm like, oh my God, that's me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So that kind of thing, I'll take a, you know, I, um, it's in the Lake Placid uh, bookstore and it's in a couple of tax shops. Uh, so um, it's kind of fun because you, you see it and you're, you're like, oh, I did it. Yeah. Yeah. I did that. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a very, it's a, someone said to me one time, nothing changed. I was the same person yesterday as I am today, but because I'm an author, it somehow creates a different response to me. Well, yeah. Well, like people will say, they'll, they'll introduce me like, this is, Anne. she's an author. And I like, I am. <laughs> Wait, where yeah. is that place? <laughs> yeah, so, so I'm still me. I'm just me. Yeah, really. I'm just me. Yeah, which is which is exactly what you want to be. Right. But it it is so nice to have something of you to that share. can walk outside I, of you. Right. I love our farm, and to be able to share it with others, um, because I feel so blessed that I that we have this. I just feel so blessed to be able to share a little bit of it with others. Um, is really cool. Yeah, it's really cool. I'll put in a little side note. I drive by your home every once in a while because we'll be heading out that way and we're on Halsey Hollow Road, Halsey Road. And just this past weekend, when we were going out to play golf, we drove by your house and the barn is there and you've got all the, the sides are down and there's flowers everywhere. It is the most beautiful, peaceful place. And I've never even been on the farm. I've never been there. But I've driven by it so many times and every time there's just this beautiful feeling of Thank peace you. and it just feels welcoming there. Yeah, there's a good ecosystem going on there. Yeah. You know, a lot of, yeah, I'm very blessed. Yeah, it really is. So one of the things that you said is that reading out loud is a really important piece of, of the experience, especially for a children's story. So would you be willing to share, you don't have to read the whole thing, but would you be willing to read out loud for just a few minutes just sure. to share a little bit of your story? Sure. And you can pick any part of it that you would like to share. Hmm. No, no pressure. No pressure. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, what about this one? Excellent. Okay. Um, so just a little, here's this pony first day on the farm and he's meeting, uh, he's, he's going, he's entering into the barn, he's meeting the new horses. So um, I'm not sure if you can see, but you can see maybe his expression as he's meeting some of the new horses for the first time. Next to Kodiak was a pretty mare. She was gray with dapples from head to hoof, flashy and very no noisy. Captain quickly figured out the high pitched whinny he heard when the trailer arrived belonged to her. Her name was Snow Day. That's a nice name, he thought, but with her personalities, 
she should be called scattered flurries. That's a good one for upstate New York, right? It's a very good one. So that's kind of gives you a little bit of uh, captain's personality. Absolutely. And those names, were those names that you yes. made up or they were actually horses? They were actually horses. Yeah, they were actually horses. It's really nice to be able, like, I think if I were writing a book about like the dogs that I've had, you know, the pets that I've had in my life, and I would want to use their names because they were so meaningful to me, right? Right. right. So is it kind of nice to read their names and kind of remember? Yeah, of them? yeah, it, it was. Because, you know, this was written a long time ago, right? So yes, it, it was fun to remember their personalities. And just like dogs or cats, I'm not sure much about goldfish, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> horses all have a really unique personality. Each one is so unique. Mm. So you really have to meet them where they're at when you're working with them, where, mm. where that horse is at. Yeah. which I think is with people too. We're all so unique that if we really want to forge friendships, we need to meet one another where we're at. Yeah, yeah, agreed. So what's next? You said more stories for sure, but what do you, what's your, what do you see down the road here? Um, yeah, so definitely more stories. I'm working on uh, the next one with Mary Ellen and Captain. Um, and, uh, and then I'd like to write, I you know, I have, I have more than just one daughter and I joke, but I can't really just have a whole series on just one child. <laughs> I'd start really someone not else. Even, it's not fair. <laughs> so I have some other stories which include uh, Caroline and um, that's sort of a pre-reader, maybe more illustrations where a young reader can um, string their thoughts together, which I'm really excited about. Um, and then um, I... I have another story um, and I can't wait, I can't wait to write it uh, that has been in my head and it's kind of gonna be kind of a goofy children's story. Um, I don't know if I, but anyways, it's a, it's a name that my mother used to call all, all of us kids. I had a big family and my mother used to always call us the Gooper Feathers. And so the story is <laughs> about the Gooper Feathers, but it's not about kids, it's about, but it, it's gonna be fun. A little different story. Yeah. Uh, on a practical note, because you, this is not your full-time job. You are right. in sales and marketing, right. you have a family, you have horses, you have a full life. What's your process of sitting down to write? So you've got lots of great ideas. So that's great. Right. But, but how much time do you devote to writing? Is it a regular thing or does it come in waves? What's your process for writing? Uh, I would say that it comes in waves. So um, I have these ideas and then I'll just write them on a scrap sheet of paper. Um, you know, if you're any any kid in school, you know, they you do the bubble graphs, right? Or the and you put all your ideas in and you link and um so you know I sort of start with that and then kind of develop them. And then I start thinking about illustrations and then how I want the story to evolve. Mm -hmm. um, and unfortunately it does come in waves because um, there's only so many hours in a day. I would love to be able to devote time every day to it, but um, th that that just doesn't happen. So I do this because I love it. Um, I don't want it to become something stressful. Yeah, it's right. the joy of it. Yeah, yeah. So I figure I have a few more years in my life. So I'll, get, I'll get it done. <laughs> to do everything today. I think I, it just was interesting to note it because I, my experience with writers is everybody has a little bit different mm -hmm. formula, you know, something that works different. Can you tell me the successful ones? <laughs> right here. <No. laughs> um, I think most people would, would like to have more time to mm -hmm. devote to it. 
if it isn't their career, it becomes fitting it in around other things. Right. So that's always a challenge. But even just the 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 way that you get it from an idea to the page, you know, you're talking about sort of a mind mapping bubble, right? And we, and we actually, um, Greg and I encourage that as part of the process for people that that works for. If you're a creative mind, that's a really good visual technique, right? Because right? you can put the bubbles and make the lines and it starts to come together and then you see it and you can go from it from there. But other people are more, they need an outline, you yeah. know, some people need to just start writing. It, it, some people start in the middle and then fill in, come back to the beginning. I mean, like everybody kind of yeah. does it differently. Exactly. I just think it's a creative process and you're giving a piece of yourself and you're finding out about yourself every day. So it evolves, yeah. you know, I hope in the winter months I can spend more time, you know, because I'm so I think that that would be a nice way to spend evenings in the, in the winters. Yeah, that makes good sense. So you've got some lots of projects ahead and certainly I'm sure more with the book. If somebody is listening and would like to buy the book, where can they purchase it? Uh, well, you can actually go on to Scripter and then click on the link and it'll bring you to Amazon. Mm -hmm. uh, you can go directly to Amazon, uh, just search First Day at Halsey Hollow Farm or Annie Levitt, um, and it comes up. Uh, in some of the local tax shops, which is uh, for horse equipment, um, they, they have the books. Um, and I'm slowly getting it into some of the bookstores that feature local, local authors. Great. You mentioned Lake Placid too. So if you happen to be in Lake yeah. Placid, check it out up there. <laughs> it's always a good reason to go. I know. <laughs> Might as well go to Lake Placid yeah, and buy the book, on. right? <laughs> or you can call me directly. <laughs> or call Annie directly and her email's in here if you need yeah. to get in touch. Um, I will make sure all of that gets in the show notes right. for anybody that wants to see it. I could talk to you all day. I know. I, I know. always it's love. It's so nice to spend time with you, but let's go ahead and close up with my favorite question. Okay. which is about the title of the podcast. It just takes one. It is something that is fascinating to me because everybody answers it differently. And so I'm just curious, what does it just takes one mean to you? Oh boy, uh, there's so many things, you know? I think it's taking one step. Um, I think for me, um, it takes one story for you to read to your child or to a child that you love, a niece or a nephew, um, to create that space, cultivate a love of reading for life. And so I would just encourage you to just pick up that one book and carve out some time. Yeah, that's beautiful. I encourage you to do the same thing. Go out, pick up the book, read it to somebody that you care about, read it to a child, enjoy the story, enjoy the illustrations. And Annie, keep writing so we can read Thank more. You. <laughs> Thank you so much. Okay, I have to admit, it was a rare treat for me to be able to interview Annie in person today. Most of the podcast episodes are filmed on Zoom because our authors are located all over the world. So it was just a rare treat here today to be able to have a local author and to be able to sit right next to her and get a chance to speak with her. I love our conversations always. There's something just very special about Annie. I'm sure you could see that if you were watching the video and probably hear it in the audio version of the podcast as well. When she walks in the room, there is just a very special light that comes with her. 
And you're going to feel that in her book as well. She did a beautiful job sharing about the story and some of the life lessons that are contained within the story. And I also really enjoyed the part of our discussion where we talked about the writing process and how she goes from just an idea in her head to getting it down on paper, writing it and illustrating. Lots of great ideas for you if you are someone who has thought about writing a book or is somewhere in that process and just needs a little motivation. That is going to wrap it up for us this week on It Just Takes One. I will encourage you to subscribe to the podcast if you haven't done that already. When you click subscribe, it allows you to get notified when new episodes drop each week. That's all for today. I encourage you to go out and purchase the book First Day at Halsey Hollow Farm on Amazon and join us on It Just Takes One for our next episode where we will feature Liam Cuddy the recent best-selling author of The Getaway People.